Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Hey everybody, welcome to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified, gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Off a high screen, Dorian, kick to the corner, Feirano for three, it's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores! Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dump! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the 5. Touchdown, Colorado State. Goonies never say die, folks. What's up? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. It is November 26th, Tuesday. Uh, Snowmageddon happening here in Fort Collins, but it was nice and sunny down in the Cayman Islands where Colorado State men's basketball was. And what a game. What a comeback. What a clutch shot by Isaiah Stevens, the true freshman, going down the court, hitting a game-winning floater. Uh, to to quote Mark Mosier, uh, guts all over the place. Actually, that, that might have been a Connor McGahee call. I uh, don't want to misquote it there, Avs Radio, uh, in the playoffs last year. But just a, just a really incredible game by CSU men's basketball. Uh, that's pretty much what we're going to focus on on today's podcast. I actually was going to talk CSU Boise State, talk football today, uh, but just g- given how incredible this comeback was, I think, you know, we got to talk hoops. What else are we going to talk about if we're not talking about a double-digit uh, comeback victory in the second half? Just truly, truly impressive to see the fight that this team has shown over the last two games. I mean, they've, they're really a couple of missed free throws away from being 6-1 and one with the only loss 
I mean, to number one Duke. I mean, you. I get like the the collapse against Arkansas State was bad, and that was just the sign of a young team. They didn't finish. Um, it was a learning moment, I think, for this team. Um, you know, to to come back the way they did against New Mexico State was impressive in its own right. They're a tournament team uh, annually. They have a lot of depth. I would be pretty surprised if they don't end up winning the WAC again this year. Um, just it takes a lot of grit to come back and play the way CSU has played in the second halves of these games. And I just, man, I think about like how good is this team going to be, you know, come February, come March, if they're already battling like this here in November. I mean, the crazy thing about the win today, 57 of the 61 points that were scored in this game were scored by first or second year players. The seniors, Nico Carvacho, uh, Chris Martin, and Hiron Edwards Jr., they combined for four points. Those three guys went one of 12 from the field. So your three most experienced players on the floor go one of 12 in the game. Only account for four points. Uh, really just don't factor into the outcome at all offensively. And you still find a way to steal a win? That is wild. Absolutely wild. Um, just so many encouraging things happened in this game. Um, there, were, there were moments where... It really looked like uh, this was going to be a blowout loss. I mean, the offense was sloppy again early in the game. Too many turnovers, way too many turnovers. If if I'm very encouraged by the fight that the Rams have shown in the Cayman Islands and the fact that they've you know, now had two incredible comebacks. One of them ended up being a win. One of them ended up being an overtime loss. But the turnovers, definitely a concern. That concerns me much more than missed jump shots. I think the three-point shooting will come with time, and really the last two games, the three-point shooting has been better than it had been. Uh, they, they still have a, a ways to go. they got to prove that they can be much more consistent in that aspect of the game, but the turnovers, man, that's just sloppiness. That's, you know, focusing. It's really mental there. I mean, sometimes the defense is just going to make a good play. Turnovers are going to happen, uh, but CSU's only had one game this season where they've had uh, less than 10 turnovers. That's something that I would like to see them um, just get a grip on moving forward. I, I do. I think they will. I mean, they've got young guards. When you've got this many freshmen and sophomores playing, you know, thirty plus minutes a game, there's gonna be highs and lows. Like, you can't freak out over every little miscue because one, that's irrational. But two, this team is a lot of fun, and as they proved today, uh, when they play to their potential, they can. They can be pretty dang good. Uh, this is a this is a win. I think you're gonna look back on later uh, in the season, and you can kind of see it potentially being like a you know a catalyst for this team. You've got to come back. I mean, you got to play Washington State tomorrow, and hopefully you can you know round out the the tournament and go two and one. That'd be a pretty strong showing, all things considered. You had a chance to go three and zero, but to go two and one would would be pretty good. And then after that, you come back on play at home on Sunday against a pretty decent Utah Valley team. I know they're not quite as strong uh, as the team from last year, but they they went wire to wire with Kentucky. Um, I've seen them play a couple of times, actually. They've, kudos to Utah Valley for playing a pretty difficult non-conference schedule because it seems like they're always on TV playing some blue blood. Uh, but this is that Utah Valley game. It's kind of a trap game, I think, for CSU. That's something that I talked about with Nico Medved actually sitting in the the Raleigh-Durham airport after the Duke game. It was one where he kind of looked out to 
in advance and was like, you know, we've got a lot of quality mid-majors on the schedule and I don't think, you know, CSU, the guys, they're going to have any trouble, any difficulty getting up for those games. But that Utah Valley game was kind of one that he was worried about just after the holidays, you're coming back from the Cayman Islands. Uh, You know, there's just always the possibility to be lethargic. It's going to be a Sunday afternoon, definitely going to be a smaller crowd. So we'll see how CSU handles this moment. Uh, It's going to be really big. They need to build off their successes from this tournament. They need to obviously, you know, fix things. They got to play a full 40 minutes defensively. They need to limit turnovers. I still would like to see them uh, function out of the half-court offense a little more consistently, uh, play inside out more when they can, really get Nico Carbaccio involved as a passer. Um, Ultimately, I think it's going to lead to more open jump shots on the perimeter, but I also think it's going to create opportunities down in the paint. I think you're going to get opportunities to go to the free throw line if you do that because Carvacho is just such a mismatch with his size. And yeah, I just, yeah. Basically, the point of this is that it's not perfect. There are a lot of things that CSU needs to prove on, improve on, and I understand this, and you should as well. But there is definitely reason for optimism. This team is only going to get stronger as the year progresses. I think by the time March comes around, they're going to be pretty dang dangerous. They're going to be a squad that nobody in the Mountain West is going to want to face. I mean, they just they just got great depth. They can score in so many different ways. They, they have great attitudes. They buy in defensively. They're versatile. Uh, I, I think this team is more athletic than some of the CSU teams from the past couple of years. So... The sky is the limit for this CSU team, especially uh, over these next couple of seasons. When I think about, you know, two years from now, the potential of having, you know, Kendall Moore and Adam Thistlewood being seniors, Roddy and some of these guys as juniors, and then, you know, whoever else ends up transferring over, signing, becoming eligible and whatnot, your roster will shape out. Um, there's a couple guys, obviously, Tavion Kirk, uh, Ignis Arguinis, who will become eligible next season, but... Medved, man, they're they're building something special here. And it's not just like hyperbole. It's not me trying to pump sunshine with you. They're going about this the right way. They're signing high-character guys. They're signing guys that can legitimately compete and contend for four years. Uh, this isn't a, you know, a, a squad of JUCO guys that they threw together at the last second. This is a roster that has been strategically designed and p- assembled to play the way Medved would like to play to execute his offense and you're just seeing it you're seeing right away the the difference and I just I couldn't be more excited I I admit I'm a college basketball nerd so I geek out over stuff like this but this team they're just so sound they're deep they're a lot of fun and I highly recommend that you guys get to Moby uh, especially as this team progresses gets closer to conference play obviously gonna have the CU game at home still that should be a great crowd. I'm sure the students will turn out uh, in mass for that one. They always do, but it would be nice to just get some of that Moby madness back on a you know a nightly basis because this is a team that they're capable of making some noise. And I think if they can just get confident playing in front of some of their fans, who knows what'll happen, man? Because they're going about it the right way. They really are, and uh, it's gonna be fun, right? It's gonna be a ton of fun. I know it's been a brutal brutal fall for football fans and you know I've been there for every second of it so I completely understand why football fans are feeling dejected the last couple of seasons have been brutal 
but you know, as I wrote in my post game column today, these boys they're they're building something special over at Moby Arena. So get over there, check them out. Excited to see how CSU fares against Washington State tomorrow. Uh, rematch against Dion James. So <laughs> I don't really know if anybody's interested in that storyline. Dion doesn't play a ton. He does contribute a little bit. He's had some really weird cryptic tweets uh, about maybe not enjoying his time at Washington State as much as he would have anticipated. Uh, we'll see. I know emotions with Dion are a little bit mixed. The feelings uh, from the CSU fans, I think some people just kind of feel like he quit on the team. Um, you know, everybody has the right to make their own decision. It's their own future. So I don't, I don't really want to get into it. That, as far as my opinion on the whole thing goes, I will say I thought it was odd the way he handled things. Uh, practiced, you know, leading up to the season, was healthy, and then claimed he needed the season to redshirt. So I don't know. It was a weird, it's a weird deal. But, you know, the future is now. It's got to focus on the guys that you still have here. Hopefully the Rams can respond with another solid showing. Maybe not uh, Maybe not take it quite down to the wire. I don't think it's good for my blood pressure or for, you know, my anxiety. So, plus, it would be nice if I could just have a nice, smooth recap after the Arkansas State game, the New Mexico State game, this game. It's like, I, I'll write something, and, you know, today I had something about how it was kind of a sloppy performance and Loyola was going to put away, and then all of a sudden CSU comes storming back. Everything I had written was now moot, but... Anytime I have to throw out a story to write about a, a, a crazy comeback win, I will happily do so. Uh, it's a lot more enjoyable to do that than it is to, you know, for instance, like the Air Force football game where CSU's up big in the second half. You start writing about how they played well and then they choke and then everything becomes obsolete that way. That's a lot more disappointing than when your team ends up winning. Uh, so great win by Nico Medved's squad. Great, great team win clutch performance by all of the young guys this really was a team performance and I'd, I'd like to say real quick before we move on here we're about to take a quick break but the the seniors they didn't do a lot offensively today but they still contributed uh when the team needed most Car- Carvacho came down with some really big rebounds at the end he also had an assist at Thistlewood on a three-pointer with about 45 seconds to go that ultimately cut Loyola's lead to three and made it a one-possession game. Um, Chris Martin had five rebounds, five assists in the game, so he still was able to contribute that way. Hyron came and you know picked up some minutes off the bench. He's He's been struggling a little bit offensively. I think CSU needs him to find his groove, and I'm sure he will. He looked pretty good in those first two games, but has struggled a bit, I would say, over the last three or four. Uh, but overall, I just think there's so much there's just a lot going well over over with that team and I'm really interested to see how they end up playing it out but as I've said you know consistently they are going to finish higher in the league than they were projected to they got picked to finish ninth that's not going to happen they're going to finish higher than that but let's take a quick second to shout out our partners our homies our BFFs however you want to phrase it over at Breckenridge Brewery One of my favorite holidays of the year is this week in Thanksgiving. Love the opportunity to sit down with loved ones, you know, reminisce, share stories from the year, uh, hear how everybody is doing, just really be together, spend time with the people that I love. But you know what makes that better? Always 
alcohol. And no alcohol is better than Breckenridge Brewery. You can pop open some Christmas ale, some avalanche ale, whatever you're into. Strawberry sky, who cares? It's it's winter outside, but it could be summer in your heart. Pick up a six-pack, pick up a 12-pack, however much beer you can handle. I say you drink it all. It's the holidays after all. But uh, do it with Breckenridge. You won't be disappointed. Alrighty, like I said earlier in the podcast, we are going to push back uh, some of the CSU Boise State talk to tomorrow. We'll obviously have some more hoops to discuss with the Washington State game as well. But I just wanted to briefly talk about the fourth edition of the college football playoff rankings. They came out tonight. It's something that we go over every week. Uh, just, you know, fun opportunity to talk about what's happening around the country. CSU football won't be bowl eligible this season. They don't factor into this conversation. But I think most people follow, you know, college football as a whole and are interested in this kind of stuff. So we're just going to take a couple minutes here before we wrap it up and briefly go over it. So starting at number one, uh, you got Ohio State. They jump LSU after beating number 10 Penn State last week. The thing about Ohio State is they win the eye test. When you watch Ohio State, they look like the most complete team in the country. Offense, defense, special teams, they just have so much talent. Uh, Chase Young is literally a cheat code. He looks like a creative player out of the old NCAA video games or something. But this Ohio State team, they're just, they're really incredible. They're beating the hell out of absolutely everyone. Uh, I would say that on paper, their resume, not quite as impressive as some of the other teams, um, LSU, Georgia, uh, even Utah to an extent. Some of these teams, I think, have um, a couple just more complete wins. I don't think Ohio State's beat a ton of great teams at this point of the season, but everyone that they've faced, they've handled uh, rather easily. Penn State did come back a little bit and make things interesting last week, but Ohio State was ultimately able to pull away, and they're a team that I would not want to face come playoff time. Certainly one of the front runners to win the national championship. I got to admit, though, guys, it's tough for me. I'm I'm not a big Ohio State fan. I respect them, respect the culture, respect all the fans. Like I said, when I watch them, they, they look like one of the best teams in the country. Great athletes, great explosion, just an all-around phenomenal team. But I'm not a big Ohio State fan. Always going to be bitter from the playoff win with Cardell Jones. But uh, anyways, number two drops LSU. Uh, their defense been a little bit shaky over the last month. I would say that's probably the biggest concern. You know what you're getting with Joe Burrow. That offense is legit. Uh, one of the best offenses to come out of the SEC in probably my lifetime, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't put them as the best. I think there have been more dangerous offenses over over the years. Uh, some of those Alabama teams with Mark Ingram, uh, even some of those Florida teams back with Tebow. Even, you know, if you go back even further, some Arkansas teams back in the day with those awesome running games with McFadden and some of those dudes, Peyton Hillis. But this LSU team, man, Joe Burrow, they 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 look like a, you know, spread offense out there. You don't really see it very common, commonly in the, in the SEC, the way they like to pick apart people and just line up and throw the hell out of the football. And it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. As, as an Alabama fan, it's a little bit frustrating, particularly after LSU won that game, but, you know, LSU, they have more quality wins than anybody in the country. They beat Bama, they beat Auburn, they beat Florida. Texas was a top 10 team when they beat them. 
horns obviously have come back to life. That's not really the the win that you thought it would be uh, at the time, but LSU definitely deserves to be number two team or the number one team. With LSU or, or Ohio State, you could make an argument that either one of them is the best team in the country, and I wouldn't argue with you because I could I could see why you would think that with either one of them. So these two teams are great. These are the two teams that I expect will be playing for the national championship. It kills me to say it, uh, but I just they're 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 the best teams. So we'll see how it plays out. But a little bit interesting that Ohio State jumped them. A little bit interesting, but you know, win over top ten team. I guess they give it to them. I guess I think that gives LSU potential to re-jump them if they end up winning the SEC championship. Uh, maybe even if they beat Texas A&M, depending on how Ohio State looks against Michigan. But we will see. Clemson, they stay at number three. I'm torn on Clemson, guys. I really am. I believe in Dabo. I believe in Trevor Lawrence, even though he's looked a lot more human this year. I also think that their experience playing in big games is going to be valuable if they end up making the playoffs, which it, it sure is looking like they will. I don't think anybody in the ACC is going to upset them. You never know but I, I doubt it. Um, I think they're the most beatable team in the top eight. They're just not quite as deep as they were in years past, and that's kind of to be expected when you send that many guys to the NFL. You're not going to be quite as loaded every single year. Uh, some of these SEC teams may beg to differ, but yeah, I just I can't really get a read on Clemson. I kind of thought they were phonies, and at the beginning of the year, it, it really just seemed like they were escaping by the hair of their chin week after week. The offense has come to life a little bit over the last five or six weeks. They've been throwing like 40-plus points on the board, so I do think they're a, a team that should be respected and feared. Uh, but I also just think that they haven't had to really play anyone yet, and come playoff time, that, that, could, be, that could be a problem for them once they actually have to play some quality talent. So the same could be said about Alabama. I mean, Alabama has not played the, the toughest schedule, and I will firmly admit that as an Alabama fan. It's... And love the schedule coming in. Certainly didn't love it this year. Um, you know that it's so complicated with the way they do it now. They schedule these games years in advance. I think it's difficult to to determine. You know who's going to be good, who's not. Uh, with some of the cupcakes that Alabama tends to schedule at the end of the year, I get why fans get frustrated. But that's always been you know the SEC way. They don't play uh, nine conference games. They only play eight. And yeah that's they get into the playoff every year so like they like they say if it ain't broke don't don't fix it so Bama coming in at number five they got to beat Auburn to keep their playoff hopes alive uh and then they need some help on top of that they need somebody ahead of them to end up losing it feels like Bama's gonna find a way somehow to sneak into the playoff I don't know I don't know if I like their chances without Tua I mean Mac Jones is a a fine backup, and they still have great receivers, obviously, uh, some of the best running backs in the country, and just, I mean, it's Bama. You guys get the point. It's Bama. They're always deep, but I don't know if they could beat, you know, an Ohio State or an LSU without Tua. It just seems like, just seems like too much to overcome, but we'll see. Uh, Utah, number six, they're 24-point favorites over Colorado this week, which that seems insane to me because CU's defense is actually looked really good over the last couple of weeks and I I like this Utah team a lot but they kind of remind me of Washington from a year few years back in the sense that it feels like when they actually have to play a big boy from 
the South or even like Clemson or something like that, uh, they're going to get humbled. We'll see. I, I very well could be wrong. Uh, I mean, Utah, they lost at home to USC, but other than that, they've answered every bell so far this season. But I guess I just, when I watch them, they don't look quite uh, as talented. I do like their secondary. I, I like their their corners a lot, but yeah, we'll see. All right, at number seven, uh, Oklahoma, they need teams ahead of them to lose. Their defense is suspect, but Jalen Hurts is a lot of fun. If they end up winning the Big 12, who knows what will happen, particularly if you get some chaos in the SEC, if Clemson ends up getting upset, something like that, Utah falls to Colorado, Oklahoma could find itself in the playoff. If that happens, you know, look out. They're, like I said, their defense isn't great, but Jalen Hurts, one of the most exciting players in the entire country in the conversation for the Heisman. Don't think he's actually going to win it. I think it's Burroughs to lose at this point. Uh, there's an argument for Chase Young as well, uh, but after missing those two games, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to win. You know, there's a debate about whether that's fair or not, but that's, you know, just how it is. Number eight, Minnesota. They got a big-time game against Wisconsin this weekend. One of the more fun stories in college football this year to see the the rise under P.J. Fleck. Uh, I do think the row the boat stuff is a little bit corny, but hey, to each his own. Uh, Baylor, number nine, Penn State, number 10, so that rounds out the top 10. Not really any surprises this week. I mean, Baylor jumped up pretty significantly, which I don't really get that. Um, Penn State stayed there at 10 after Fondo, Ohio State, Utah at six. I don't know. I, I guess I have a hard time figuring out sometimes what the committee is using for their justification with the justification with these various rankings it kind of seems like they pick and choose to fit whatever narrative they would like to create but i don't know there's there's no perfect system um people are going to be upset one way or the other i do think that a four-team playoff makes it really exciting it gives us a lot to debate all year i know a lot of people would like expansion i'm i'm one of the people where if it happens i'm not going to be opposed more college football is exciting and I love college football but I also just don't want it to dilute the product and I think that with four teams like I said it gives you room for debate I think it generally means that the best teams the teams that are most deserving of that opportunity to compete for a national championship end up getting that chance but I get why people want more they want more drama some of these teams five six seven I I certainly would like to see them get that shot but I just think it gets difficult because I'd, I'd say as a whole, more times than not, there are not more than four teams that legitimately deserve a chance to compete for the national championship. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me with my old school thinking and I'm just used to college football, you know, playing out a certain way. So tough to say. But we will talk about CSU and Boise State uh, and more tomorrow. Looking forward to that uh, big time test for the Rams. Mike Bobo really cracked me up at his press conference yesterday he was like talking about the Boise State Utah State game and he's like you know Boise State jumped out to such a big lead I had to change the channel on him so Bobo keeping high spirits throughout tough times and that's something we'll talk about as well I talked about you know how he might be coaching for his job yesterday that's definitely the biggest narrative this week Uh, so yeah excited to talk about that thank you to everyone that listens thank you to everyone that subscribes I got some kind words on Twitter today about the column that we wrote on CSU basketball. 
always appreciate it. Always appreciate everyone that reaches out. Uh, Sterling Jensen reached out to me on Twitter the other day. Shout out to you. Thank you for listening. Much love, guys. Hope everyone has a fun holiday. I guess I'll wish you that tomorrow. Tomorrow's only Wednesday, not Thanksgiving Thursday. But uh, stay warm out there. Stay safe. Stay, stay, stay warm. That's all. I'm just. It's worth repeating. It's so freaking cold outside, guys. This snow crap is. It's getting old. <laughs> Anyways, we will be back on Wednesday. Have a good night. Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice The water's the truth so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCRV's Got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly like not from